Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night, an Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is a turd face, Brandon. How are you doing, damn. Brandon? Just right away. <laughs> I've been waiting a week to call you a turd face. <laughs> I know. I mean, let's be honest. It was like the best part of that episode. Yeah. It, no, actually, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it was. So what no. are you looking at, turd face? <laughs> He's a turd face. I'm with him on this one. <laughs> he is. He's got that turd-like quality. His face is just a bit turdish. It was my favorite line. Pro- it might be my favorite line from season three, honestly, so far. Wow. How does it compare it so to funny. your favorite lines altogether? What line tops turd face? I don't know, man. I'd have to think about it. I haven't thought about it yet because we haven't done the season wrap-up yet. No, we have not. That's next week. But just tell me, is Don't Touch My Stuff up there? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. It's on my cup. That's all I need to know. As far as season three goes, though, Turdface is, like, way up there for me. It reminds me of when Kelly whipped out that pack of cigarettes. That was wild. So crazy. This is a kid show. I know. You can't smoke. Advocating smoking, calling people. Doesn't matter how cool it makes you look. Kelly, did, she did look freaking sweet though. Also, it was dual <laughs> shade, so I mean, she was sweet at this rad. Time. Like you can't do that, but holy shit, was she cool? I wanted to start smoking right then and there. I wanted to just stop everything and smoke. I'd never smoked before. Now I'm up to three packs a day, and it's all thanks to her. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys got rain? I seen on Reddit. Did you get yeah. rain? Yeah. It was oh, pretty that's good. good. That's awesome. I like rain when it's um needed. I like rain all the time. Rain is pretty good. It was the best night of sleep I've had in months. Just a pitter patter. Mmm. That sounds wonderful, honestly. Did when I was a kid I used to like run around in the rain and just play in it by myself. Did you ever do that? Well yeah. Okay, cool. I you like to splash in puddles and stuff. Which is completely different than how I am today, because I hate being wet now. I'm basically made of sugar. It's incredible. Basically made of sugar. Yeah, rain makes me melt. What a great way to describe you. Basically what I'm trying to say, Brandon, is that I'm sweet. Did you do anything sweet this week? Um, I beat a video game. Is that cool? Actually, that is, because you never beat video games. It's true. Never. never I buy a lot of video games. I play not very many of them, and I beat none. But I beat a video game. The last video game you beat was when we played Final Fantasy VI together, uh, like, 12 years ago. Pretty much. Well, what game did you beat? I beat Control for the PlayStation 4 Entertainment System by Sony. That's cool. Computer Network Software, etc. of America. Yeah, TM and such. So, um, I think I've seen some videos of that one where you can, like, fly and you can basically, like, force push and stuff people. Yeah, is that's that, the whole game. The game. You just fly around and throw shit at enemies, and it's awesome. That does sound pretty cool. And you know what that reminds me of? That game you had, uh, gosh, I don't even remember when it was, but it was PsyOps. Do you remember that? Yes. It is very PsyOpsy, but it's also like a Metroidvania. Oh, you got me there. I love Metroidvanias. Yep. So you get to get lost in rooms and backtrack all over the place. It's great. Uh, It was made by Remedy, the creators of Alan Wake and Max Payne. Oh, yeah, you did tell me that. Okay, that's cool. I'm glad that they're still making video games. 
Yeah, it's a good one. Awesome. I love it. I didn't just beat it. I platinumed it. Nah, did you? I did. Have you ever platinumed a game before? Not on purpose. Wow. That's awesome. Good job, man. Thank you. You're welcome. So, have you platinumed any games this week, Cortland? I have not. Oh, well, that's some bullshit. Next. <laughs> I know. Actually, I haven't even played a PlayStation game or anything in um, a while. Right. I did play um, some Switch games. Mostly this game called Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon that I bought on sale the other year. Mm-hmm. How's that? That's okay. I played um, it on the Wii, and it is a port of the Wii game. I think they added stuff. I don't know. Um, I have fun with it, though. I like it. They added the ability for you to buy it again. Uh, no, that's a pretty cool thing. I think that a lot of companies are doing that lately, which is fine. I don't mind. I did start going to the gym last week, though. Oh, yeah? How was that? Uh, I've never been well, to a gym. It's it's Not since, no, you know, it's school. Good. Gym's School gym. <laughs> okay. Gym class. It's not like that. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I was there with you the last time we went to gym together. But, uh, no, it's not like that. You know, I, I do treadmill and, and, you know, weightlifting and stuff. It's it's cool. I like it. Um, I just need to, uh, you know, schedule my day better. Yeah. My, like... So that I can do everything I need to do. My mental image of gyms is based entirely on that episode of Full House where DJ goes to the gym and oh. she works herself too hard and the family have to be yeah. like, whoa, whoa, I remember that one. slow the fuck down, DJ. And then the music was like, Da-na-na-na. yeah, and Stephanie was like, oh, should I tell him that my sister's going to kill herself? I don't know. I pinky promised that one, right? Yeah. Don't break your pinky promises. Okay. That's the moral of this episode. It's exactly like that. There's even a little girl there that shouldn't be there, but she pinky promised, so, you know, she's got to be there. It's just crazy. There's a yoga classes where there's only three dudes in there, and they're all looking at the girls like they want to get some. It's disgusting, but it's... You'll find out go get my on exercise. our Full House podcast coming out soon. Yep. Houses are full, the podcast. I feel like you would be all over a Full House podcast, honestly. <laughs> I you'd would. Be like, I've done you'd a... you like, and here's DJ's Pillow Pet or whatever, Pillow Buddy. I owned the same pillow as Kimmy Gibbler. I, d- I know. I was going to say that. I remember that pillow. <laughs> I've rewatched that show as, early, or as recently as last year. Like the whole thing? Pretty much. In preparation for the final season of Fuller House, I take it. No, just because. Oh, okay. Does Becca love it too? She's not the biggest fan. She hates Uncle Joey. Oh, that's you know I understand. Joey kind of sucks. It's okay. Yeah, I didn't mind him when I was a kid, but watching it now, he is the worst. I know. I've always kind of thought he was the worst. I'm ahead of my time. Yeah. Well, I don't want to talk about Uncle Joe anymore. Do you want to get into this episode? I mean, we're like 11 minutes into this thing, so we probably should. So Brandon and I, we just got done watching the tale of the dangerous soup. What did you think about it, Brandon? I, I'd say I liked it. I didn't love it, but I yeah. liked it. I feel about the same, I think. It was pretty fun. It was better than the title would have you believe. I agree. I think that the acting is good. And um, I feel bad, not really, but I called uh, Nev Campbell Neve Campbell last episode. Oh, I know. Nev. Yeah, I know. 
I watched a interview she did with Conan O'Brien just to make sure I knew how to say her name. And then, uh, yeah, you deleted that last episode and we re-recorded it. I'm probably not even going to... Well, maybe I will take it out. I don't, no, I won't. <laughs> You'll just have it be like, <laughs> and the next episode has Nev Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> I could do that, yeah. But Nev Campbell was a joy to watch. Actually, you know what? All the acting was really good in this episode, I think. Nev Campbell did a great job screaming in this episode, which she does for the entire last half of the episode. Yeah, I mean, there's parts where she just screams. That's it. Yeah, there's also parts where she doesn't scream. It's rare, but they're there. I love it. Uh, Yeah, overall, the acting from all three main characters is really good. Some of the characters are crazy. I'm all right with that. The setting is fun. There's some throwbacks to season one, which was pretty beautiful. I don't know if it felt like a season finale, but that's okay. No, I think Pinball Wizard was just kind of a once in a lifetime thing. I think so, too. You know what? It's probably because they didn't even know they were going to get a second season. So they were like, all right, so if this is it, let's end it on a high note. Yeah, let's just go balls to the wall crazy. Just blow people's minds. But now they know they're getting another season. Whatever. Just make one about soup. I don't know. (laughs) Well, you want to talk about um, the dangerous soup and how the, the story unfolds? Let's do it. Okay. Let us do it. All right. So the episode begins with a shot of the campfire. We cut to Gary, and he says, heights. I'm not good with heights. I uh, I get sick. He looks like a guy who would be afraid of heights. I don't know what that means, but I think, yeah, that's spot on. I don't know what he's talking about. We see Frank, and he walks behind Kiki, who says, dogs? I was bitten when I was a kid. Anytime I see one, I cross the street. And I thought to myself, man... Having Kristen bring Elvis back in the Hungry Hounds episode <laughs> must have been just straight torture for her. She's sitting right across from him while he's like, woo, 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 and Kristen's like, um, guys, she walked slowly into the graveyard. Kiki's just sitting there like, <laughs> she's already got this terrifying story about these dogs that want to eat a girl. Her, like, (laughs) darkest fears realized, and then she's got this dog right in front of her just to make it more palpable. (laughs) Kristen, you... And Kristen knew that, too. No wonder you didn't get kicked out. There's no way Kristen didn't know. I know, right? Because everybody knew that she was afraid of clowns. (laughs) But I loved it. I mean... (laughs) <laughs> overall it doesn't matter continuity or whatever but it just made me laugh when she said that frank walks over to sam and sam says birds <laughs> yeah, and we okay. got the tucker who's, who's like birds <laughs> and sam says that she's afraid that they're gonna fly in her face or something like probably peck her eyes out i guess it's possible mm-hmm. i'm sure that happens i mean right alfred hitchcock made a movie about it so yeah mm. they're like the Sharks of the sky. Yes. Tucker declares that that's weird, and then Frank walks over to Betty Ann, who says she's scared of the attic. She can't go up there alone. No way. And Frank doesn't even walk over to Tucker, who just yells out, Slasher movies! (laughs) Gary tells him that doesn't count, and Tucker tells everybody, What can I say? I'm not afraid of anything. Um, Except the telephone, you motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) It's the scariest thing there is. 
The telephone's the scariest thing in your house, Brandon. Did you know that? I don't even have a landline. That's so scared of it. Phones are scary, and that's good. We look at Frank, who says, yeah, we'll see. Tucker asks Frank what he's afraid of, tough guy. That box. And we see that Frank is, is holding a box. Well, Frank mocks throws it at Tucker and then moseys over to take a seat at the throne saying, it's no secret. I'm afraid of the dark. And he said it. A call back to season one. This was like one of my favorite moments of the Midnight Society this season two because Kiki gets excited and she says, yes, he admits it. And then Gary and Kiki give each other a high five. It was pretty great. I mean, it wasn't a secret. No, <laughs> it was established. Out like of all the Midnight ago. Society members... He's the only one who, like, really gets scared of things. Yeah, like that stick back in Magician's Assistant. Remember that? Oh, God. Flashbacks. Fucking stick. (laughs) The kids all take their seat, and then Frank gives us his little teaser for the episode. It's weird to see Frank without a bandana or a hat or something. Oh, I didn't even notice. I'm a bad person. I'm a terrible host. Yeah, you are. Did you even mention his sleeveless shirt? No, I don't think I've ever mentioned. What You're the only are one that ever you mentions doing here? And stuff. <laughs> I don't know, man. I gotta go. <laughs> All right. I'm the new host, and this is Fashion Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about that Kristen side ponytail, y'all. It's coming back. So Frank says, we've all got something that scares us, even though it shouldn't. He looks at Betty Ann saying, you know there's nothing in the attic that could get you. <laughs> And you know a bird can't hurt you. <laughs> and he's just shitting on their fears. <laughs> well, Sam gives him a face that's like, bitch, it might. <laughs> I mean, birds can hurt you. Yes, they, they can. <laughs> Frank continues saying, but there's still some dark place inside that makes your hands sweat and your mouth go dry. My story is about fear. The kind that's different for everyone. The kind Gary likes. <laughs> <laughs> The kind you have to face up to or it'll eat you alive. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. I call this story... The Tale of the Dangerous Soup. That's a pretty good description for the episode from Frank. It really is. It's it's pretty funny, yeah. It ties into the episode without just spilling all the details. Yeah, without knocking over the soup like in Hocus Pocus. Yes, exactly. Exactly like Hocus Pocus. The tale starts off and it's in a dark room... There's like a gigantic fan that's spinning in it. It's very atmospheric. The fans are covered by a grate. You can see some light shining through them. And there's a person inside the room. He says, hello? Hey, can I get out of here? Which is um, it's kind of weird for how the story sets up later, but that's fine. And we hear someone tell the kid to sit down, please. A light flashes onto a chair, and we see that there's these two big fans in this room. Um, the light's pouring inside from the holes of them. And the guy says, yeah, okay, I'll bite. And he sits down in the chair saying, great, now what? And then a compartment lowers, revealing a gargoyle statue and a bunch of smoke. And the kid gets locked into the chair, and we hear a suspiciously familiar voice tell the kid that this gargoyle statue knows what scares him. And the kid struggles as that guy laughs, saying, it knows what scares you. And then crawling up the kid's leg is a snake, and somebody familiar laughs a whole bunch as the statue's door closes. What if you're afraid of gargoyles? Oh. <laughs> so just pop out and then, sit there for a while? Well, maybe they come to life like that Disney Gargoyles TV show. No, no, no. I'm afraid of normal gargoyles. Talking gargoyles are cool. 
Nobody's Brooklyn, afraid of gargoyles. Lexington. <laughs> Brock. I think that might be one of their. I don't remember. Nope. Bronx. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. He was my favorite. <laughs> you can't even remember his name. <laughs> well, my favorite. My it's my standards aren't very high, obviously. I guess. We cut to a door opening into a restaurant with Nev Campbell saying, Welcome to the Wild Boar. Your table is ready. And I love the name of this restaurant because it's like back in season one, t- episode one, Tale of the Phantom Cab, when Vink pulls out that wild boar brain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is a cool tie-in, but I think as a restaurant name, it leaves a lot to be desired. Agreed. I wouldn't want to go eat at the wild boar. <laughs> Well, later on, you find out it's the f- fucking sweetest restaurant in town. I also wouldn't want what they sell. <laughs> well, let's find out what they sell. We follow Nev through the restaurant, and she's smiling at people. She's passing by. We stop, and we look at a table with an old lady. She's eating soup, and she's like, this shit's incredible. He's really outdone himself this time. And Nev hands an old man a menu at a table and tells him, bon apple tea. I'm funny. Yeah. She walks over. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> she walks away and some other waitress lady walks up to the table and says, hi, we have specials tonight. But the old man hands her the menu and says, don't bother. We came for the soup. And the waitress walks away saying, oh, what a surprise. And she walks into the camera, which transitions into somebody walking away from the camera. And now we're in the kitchen of the restaurant. I love that. So rude. Hi, we have specials tonight. Like, no shit. Would you like one of our specials with a side of... Absolutely not. Appetizer? (laughs) Would you like Andre tonight? Maybe follow it up with dessert. Perhaps beverage? (laughs) But he's just like, fuck that. Get out of here. Soup me up. It's like, shut up. Get soup. The waitress walks in to the kitchen saying, two soups for table six. And Nev walks out. She grabs her menus from the waitress girl. And she's like, man, a hundred bucks for a bowl of soup? If I had that kind of cash, I would not be spending it on a bowl of soup. I wouldn't spend three dollars on a bowl of soup. Uh, whatever. Canadian soup is probably like a hundred dollars. So I don't know what you're talking about. Look, here's a little secret. Soup sucks. Oh. <gasps> You were in agreement with my wife then. She, If I ever made soup for dinner, she would be so pissed at me. <laughs> yeah, you can't have soup for a dinner. She would not accept it. Here's the one time I like soup. I like soup okay. as a side to grilled cheese. I agree with you, yes. Other than that, I like soup, but soup. I would not pay $100 for <laughs> No. A hundred Canadian dollars in 1993 or whatever. Well, Nev laughs saying, they say it's worth it. But the girl's like, no bowl of soup is worth that. And she takes a step and then collides with somebody that has just a container in their hands with just a bunch of knives in it. The guy apologizes and the waitress go- Sorry, yells Jersey. at him. You want to watch with that stuff? It's, it's kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, she's very angry. She's so angry at this man. Like, it's not that big of a deal. They're in a busy kitchen. Shit happens. I mean, if the knives were, like, flying all over the place because he dropped it and, like, stabbing her foot and maybe (laughs) cutting her throat a little bit, like, that would be dramatic. But it just kind of plops down there. Yeah, nobody gets hurt. It's really boring. (laughs) 
Nev tells her to relax, and the girl yells back, I'm not picking that shit up. I don't touch knives, okay? And Nev apologizes. She picks up the stuff. The waitress grabs a spoon and is about to taste that $100 soup, but Nev stands back up and is like, Jersey, what are you doing? She's like, I just wanted another taste. But Nev tells her that she'll get fired for that, so she puts the spoon down and picks up the tray of soups. Yeah, she would get fired for eating out of a customer's food. That's disgusting. Yeah. Like, it's established later that eating this soup is a big no-no, but eating any customer's food would be grounds for firing. I would think so. It's unsanitary. She's just like, mmm, specials. Well, at this point, I suppose we can get into the cast of characters that we've got. We've got Nev Campbell, and she's playing a character called Noni? Nani? Nani. Nani. Which is a terrible name, but... Yeah. Not that much worse than Nev, I guess. Oh, I like the name Nev. <laughs> Fair enough. You can... Uh... Even though I called her Neve. Yeah. If you don't know Nev, she's the star of the Scream movies. And Never seen I- those. I guess there's four of them, and apparently there's going to be a, f- a fifth one in 2021. Starring Neve? Yeah. Well, she's going to be in it. Wow. As Sidney Prescott. You've never seen a Scream movie? Is that what you said? Yeah. For shame, Brandon. What is it, like some kind of horror movie? Yeah, yeah, it's a horror movie. You know what it is. It's by the same guy that made Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven. Never really seen any of those either. Yeah, I know. We already talked about that. Well, she's also in House of Cards and Party of Five and a bunch of other stuff. She's awesome. And honestly, I've always really enjoyed watching her. She's in, like, a witch's movie. Did you ever watch that? It's got Feruza Bulk in it. I've never seen it. The Craft, it's called, I believe. Yeah, The Craft. No, I've never seen it. But uh, mm. I think it's been on TV while I was in the room, so. Oh, okay. It's a pretty interesting movie, and uh, I like Feruza Bulk. Did you know that she played Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz? I sequel? literally have know nothing about her career other than that she was in the water boy oh okay well she was also dorothy in like the 1984 or 86 wizard of oz sequel return to oz all right i believe you which you can tell me anything watch that it's on disney plus i made kim watch it okay well (laughs) i've never seen wizard of oz the original so (gasps) we're just going down the list of shit i've never seen all right all right what else haven't i seen Cortland? huh just tell the world why don't you I don't know. We made you watch The Little Mermaid. Yeah. I've seen The Little Mermaid, okay? And you loved it. I've never seen Citizen Kane, but I've seen The Little Mermaid. I've never seen Citizen Kane or The Godfather or Scarface or a lot of other really highly rated movies. Okay, well, Scarface doesn't really belong on that list, but The Godfather is a good movie. You should watch it. Whatever. Moving on. (laughs) Jersey is the name of that waitress and she's played by tracy davis jersey is amazing she's in nothing else though worth mentioning she was in a movie called like nemesis from 1990 something and i was like that intrigues me a little bit but i'm not gonna watch it well she's fantastic in this episode nani nev is honestly i mean she's all right she's well acted but uh the character doesn't really have a lot of interesting things to do Whereas yeah, Jersey get to do a whole lot. Jersey is just delightful. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't want to work with her or be associated with her or ever see her as a human mm-hmm. being, but as a character, she's fun to watch. Yeah, I agree with you. 
We have two other characters in the episode that haven't really been introduced yet, so let's keep going. Next up, we see an older gentleman, and he is spooning some $100 soup into his mouth. The camera pans over. Jersey's putting down these bowls of soup to some other rich white folk. And this white old man is like, yo, can we get some more of this soup? And Jersey looks at him and says, nope, one per customer. And she walks away, and the old man shakes his head. And then some some people, like, move aside, and they start clapping. And out walks Dr. Vink in a chef's outfit. And he thanks everybody for coming, and he just soaks up this moment. He lets it wash over him. People are clapping, and he loves every second of it. Yeah, it's Dr. Vink again. Dr. Vink again. (laughs) Frank's uh, kind of a one-trick pony. Well, whatever. Dr. Vink is so good. He's okay. I liked him better at Midnight Madness than I did in this episode. But even so, he still just eats up everything. Like, he... He's out there. He's a character, for sure. Yeah. The scene shifts. We're looking out a window at some snow. The camera pans over the empty restaurant, and Noni... God, this is going to be an old Cochran thing. Nani? Nani. It's Nani. Nani's doing some paperwork. In walks a guy who has a paper in his hand, and he says, I'm looking for the wild boar. And Nani's like, you found it. Are you looking for a job? And he says, yep. And Nani introduces herself as Nani Walker, hostess and part-time bookkeeper. And this guy's name is Reed, and he says, my name's Reed. And Good he one, seems Reed. very uninterested. He's very uninterested in everything in this episode, for the most part. Yeah, his mom definitely made him get this job. You would think. Um, he sits He sits at Nani's table, and apparently she has to do the interviewing too, I guess. She does everything. Everything that is not just cooking soup. Because this place has two jobs. You cook soup, and you do everything else, and you're Nani. (laughs) She asks if he's worked in a restaurant before, and Reed says he's had a lot of jobs. So what's this place like? And then we get that famous Vink catchphrase. But it's not from Vink, so it's a little different. We're going to grab a clip of it, because I just fucked that up. Dr. Vink. Vink with a verb. And Nani tells Reed that Vink does everything from the menu to the cooking. And Reed boringly asks her if he's a doctor or a cook. <laughs> when out pops Vink himself, saying, For those sage enough to know, I am a chef. A cook feeds the stomach. A chef nourishes the soul. And Reed asks if he's supposed to be impressed. And Vink takes a few steps towards him, saying, Interesting. You Does this do guy me. want this job or not? I don't think so. <laughs> this is like his boss, his potential boss. And he's like, Is this supposed to impress me? Fuck you. <laughs> That's how I do my interviews, too. <laughs> Surprised he had a lot of jobs with that attitude. Well, he's, I don't... He gets fired from jobs, he's gotta get more. <laughs> yeah, but how does he get through the interview process? He's only, like, 17 years old. How could, how he many just jobs walks he into have? businesses like, you don't scare me. <laughs> I'm not trying to scare you, sir. I'm not fucking scared. Fuck you, old man. Where's my apron? I start tomorrow, right? Yes. So, read... He stands up, because Vink has told him to come and follow him, and Reed stands up and he says, he looks like a nutbag to me. We move to the kitchen, there's a lot of weird looking tools, and there's jars filled with liquid and stuff, it's some typical Vink nonsense. Vink tells the kids, a chef is an artist, the kitchen is his studio, and these vegetables, fruits, spices, these are his medium. Vink should definitely be wearing a hairnet. That's what I thought too, and like a beard net. 
Yeah. His, He's so his hair is just flying all over the place. That's Super the secret ingredient. Ugh, old man Lice. hair. <laughs> now we're looking at this big pot with boiling water or whatever in it, and Vink sniffs it. He grabs a spoon. He stirs it around. And he says, Combined by the seasoned hand of an epicure, the result is a feast for the senses. He spins around with a ladle full of the soup, and he tells Reed Taste. to taste it. Reed asks what's in it, and Nani tells him it's... Potage dangereux. Vink says, The dangerous soup. Taste. So Reed does, and he says, Hey, this is pretty good. Which is the most excited he's been so far. And Vink tells them, My friend, the flavor dances over the palate in a symphony of sensation. It's far from pretty good. And Nani adds that he charges $100 for just a bowl of this soup. And Reed's like, get the fuck out of here. But Vink says it's a small price to pay for the sublime. And Reed asks for another taste. But Vink shuts that shit down saying, one taste to educate the palate. And then Vink gets menacing and he whips around. He looks at Reed and he says, try to sneak another and I guarantee you'll regret it. First one's always free. They gotta get you hooked on that $100 soup. Reed laughs, and he says, you don't scare me. And Vinks gets excited, and he says, perfect, you'll do nicely. And he starts to walk away, but then he comes back, and he says, and I'm not a nutbag. Yeah, out of all the reoccurring things from the the Vink universe, the va-va-va mm-hmm. and stuff, the nutbag thing is one thing that I just find a bit weird. Well, he's not a nutbag. That Frank would be like, yeah, in every story, he's going to say he's not a nutbag. It'll be good. I'm sure that these kids around the campfire are eating this shit up. They, except for Sam and Tucker, because they don't know. But everybody else is like, ha this is the third time and it's still the best. He's not a nutbag, guys. Everybody thinks he's a nutbag and he says he's not a nutbag. Yeah, I take his word for it. Every time. The scene switches, and we see Reed. He's cleaning up in the kitchen as as service is going on around him. People are bringing customers food and stuff. And then we get the voiceover from Frank saying that Reed needed this job pretty bad. He didn't have any family, so he was pretty much on his own. He mostly kept to himself and never let anyone help him with anything, ever. As we can see on the screen, he's carrying this bag of like a million or so onions, and Nani's trying to help him with it, but he's like, nah. So that gets the point across, apparently. Yeah, it's like that thing he said. Yeah, where he didn't want any help. Well, we see he doesn't want any help. And here's an example of him not wanting any help. He's like, yo, Betty Ann, he had like a million onions and he said, no, don't help me. She was like, hey, can I help you? And he was like, no, because of my personal trauma, I don't want any help. (laughs) The seat switches and Nani's with jersey and they look to be leaving for the night and frank continues saying it was an okay place to work except every once in a while somebody would just quit no reason they just suddenly take off and never come back strange that happens all the time where i work does it happen at your place a lot yeah i guess it happens at mine a lot too but i never see it because my place is so big wonder what's really going on well do you guys make soup uh, no, we just make terror potions. <laughs> uh, well, we cut to Vink. He's holding a few bowls of his soup. And then we close. We get a close-up of people eating the soup. It's really weird. It's just their face. And Frank blabs on some more, saying that Dr. Vink's restaurant was the most popular in town. 
People came from all over just to sample the dangerous soup, which we can now see Vink stirring around. The scene switches, and it looks like service is done, and some guy tells Reed that he's out of there, and he'll see him tomorrow. And Reed looks around for a really long time, and then he goes up to the soup, and he slurps a spoonful of it, saying, Man, this is good. And, of course, Dr. Vink is right behind him, and he's like, Reed, what are you fucking doing? Did you just taste my goddamn soup? And then, this this episode, this is where it gets kind of weird. Out of literally nowhere, <laughs> Pops... Nani. That is exactly what I have in my notes. It says, from literally nowhere. She just is behind a table for some reason, and she stands up. I don't understand why, and I just don't get it. They could have just had her standing around a corner or balancing a checkbook or something, but no, she pops out like a goddamn jack-in-the-box. Yeah. Like he was just caught on candid camera or something. I don't understand it. But she's like, no, he didn't taste that soup. He's just cleaning the stove. And then, from behind Vink, out pops Jersey from nowhere. And I was like, they were just all. They were all in there. Like it's a surprise birthday party. (laughs) Waiting for him to try that soup. (laughs) That's the best explanation I can imagine. They're like, he's gonna do it. I don't know. It was ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, Jersey's just bitching because she waits tables and she doesn't touch dishes. And Nani and Reed, they get out of there as Vink tells Jersey that her job description just changed. So I'm assuming what happens is that somebody got fired or they left or whatever, and now Jersey has to do dishes. Yeah, that's what happens. Whatever. Reed catches up with Nani and thanks her for lying for him. And she's like, forget it. And she walks away. But Reed chases her down and says, wait, I mean, for everything. You've been really cool to me since I got here. And I've I've been kind of a slug, I think is what he says. Yeah, he says slug, but I heard slut both times that I watched it. But I don't know why he would say that. So (laughs) we're going with slug. (laughs) We're going to go with slug. Well, Nani's like, yeah, I noticed. And then we cut back over with Vink and Jersey. And Vink says, my dear, you've proven to be far too loud for the taste of my guests. And Jersey goes on a rampage, saying, loud? 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 I'll show you loud! And she grabs some ladles, and then she starts banging on the pans that are hanging up. Nobody in this show wants their job. I don't understand her, but I loved it. Yeah, it's great it's insane cutting back to nani and reed nani's like what the fuck is that let me go check but reed says no wait please i finally got the guts to say this to you so i've always had to do things on my own and i'm not used to people being nice to me and um i'm sorry and then he smiles oh you know what i didn't really record like talk about reed um reed reminds me of ian from i knew you were gonna say that the midnight ride yeah. But I like him a lot more. I wouldn't go so far as to say I like him a lot more, but I do like him more in the sense that I don't actively hate him. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think he does a good job because this whole time he's, you know, being, he's got like these emotional walls up and I like his character development and I think he's a good actor. You know what? I usually hate people that look like... I mean, that have, like, the ponytail in the 90s. He looks very 90s. 
but I think he pulls it off pretty well. He is played by somebody named Greg Haberney, who plays just small roles like NYU student and Big Daddy. Hey, I love NYU student in that movie. I mean, he's my favorite character, but that's besides the point. He's the best student. Top three, at least. That's why he's uh, he's a man. Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your sous chef. Thank you so much for taking a listen to our little show. Whether you're a new line cook or a seasoned head chef, Brandon and I will always appreciate you laughing with us through every episode. There is less than one week left to enter in to win our giveaway of Are You Afraid of the Dark Season 3 on DVD. Next week is our wrap-up episode of the season where we will announce the winner for the giveaway. Entering is super simple with up to three ways to enter in. First, check out our Twitter, that's at PRVT Island. Our pinned post is our giveaway entry post. All you have to do is like it, give us a follow, and most importantly, give us a suggestion for a tale you'd like us to completely improvise for your entertainment. Just like last week's tale of the tax day murders, we want your silly, funny, serious, or chilling tale names that you want to hear come to life in an Are You Afraid of the Dark story. You can submit another tale name on Instagram, that's at Private Island Presents. We have a post that shows the Season 3 DVD with an Up All Night sticker. Just give it a like, give us a follow, and another tale name in the comments, and you're entered in. While you're there, check out our months and months of content, including handcrafted gifts and videos, Are You Afraid of the Dark memes, character bios for the episode, and so much more. We're very proud of all the content we make for Instagram. Of course, just like last season, all of our patrons will automatically be entered in to win. You can sign up at patreon.com slash private island to become a patron for as little as $3 a month. You'll get instant access to early release episodes, episode bloopers, and more. I'd like to thank our current patrons, the Golden Bostics, Bryce and Kathy, and the Bronze Beth Angela. Thank you so much, everyone. We really appreciate it. For a quick link to all of our socials, our merch store, YouTube page, and so much more, check the episode description. The Linktree link in there has them all. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. We actually just got a recent review on Podchaser, and it put a smile on my face. These are super quick and easy ways to support us as well as any other podcasters that you listen to. Another great way is to tell somebody about the show. Word of mouth is great for podcast growth, and everyone wins with Are You Afraid of the Dark? So there's no downside. If you're interested in hanging out with me, I've been live editing episodes on Twitch, as well as playing a few games here and there in my free time. So give me a follow at twitch.tv slash privateislandc and come chat with me while I'm editing. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show, aside from this theme, Town to the Western Winds from Wild Arms 2, composed by Michiko Naruke. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. He's currently in the middle of working on our Season 4 cover art, and it's coming along quite nicely. For now, I'll let you get back to the show, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye, everyone! So we go, we cut back with Vink in Jersey. She's still banging on the pots and stuff, and Vink <laughs> begs her to stop, saying, You misunderstood! And he laughs and says, by transporting you to the kitchen, I planned on making you my protege. 
And Jersey thinks he's kidding, but Vink's like, indeed not. The secret ingredient to my soup is known only to a select few. And you, you, my dear, have been chosen to join the ranks of the Enlightened, if you're interested. And Jersey looks him up and down and says, really? And Vink walks over. He opens the door to the freezer. And Jersey's like, there's nothing in that freezer. Vink assures her that the secret lies within. And it's yours to experience. So Jersey hands Vink those ladles. And then he closes her into the freezer, which is probably illegal. <sighs> yeah, it doesn't even matter what's in that freezer. Like, him closing her in there is not cool. Like, I don't give a fuck what's in your soup. Let me out. <laughs> I think that's, like, entrapment or something. Well, it's not entrapment. Not at all. Not. But <laughs> it is attempted murder, maybe. <laughs> Back with Nani and Reed, Nani asks what that was and starts to walk over to the kitchen. And then back with Jersey, she's in that room from the beginning with the fans and the chair and the whatnot, and Vink tells her to sit down if she wants the secret, so she says that he's the strangest, and then she goes over and she sits down in the chair in the middle of the room, the gargoyle is revealed, and Vink tells her it knows what scares her, and then the restraints activate, and Jersey is trapped in the chair. Back with Nani and Reed, they look into the kitchen, and Vink dances around, and then he reveals a secret compartment where a vial is collecting some liquid um it looks like the secret ingredient to the dangerous soup we check out that gargoyle again and then with jersey the chair like the back of it falls over so that she's kind of laying on a board now and she starts screaming as a pendulum with a giant blade on it swings back and forth you know coming down to cut her in half vink laughs she screams yeah i didn't really uh see jersey as a edgar Allan poe fan. well I wondered what was going to happen, because I kind of remembered this part, but also it was established earlier that she's, like, scared of knives, so mm-hmm. they can't just have, like, a, a stack of knives come tumbling down or whatever. <laughs> they could, because I mean, she seemed plenty freaked out. I guess they could, but... Just from a tub full of knives. <laughs> well, we see some of that liquid is getting dribbled into that vial, so if you don't know what's going on, she is scared, and... Vink is collecting her... Her juices. Essence. Her scared juices. Yeah, that. Nani rushes into the kitchen because you can hear Jersey screaming. And she's asking Vink what the hell he's doing. And Vink's blocking the door to the freezer saying, You can't! But Reed tells him to open that goddamn door. So Vink looks inside. The pendulum blade disappears and the gargoyle door closes. And Vink's like, Very well, open it. So Nani does that and Jersey comes out. And Nani asks if she's okay. And Jersey's like, yeah, but what happened? And Nani tells her that she was screaming and stuff. But Jersey can't remember any of that. And she's like, all right, whatever. I got to get out of here. How did Nani not notice this fear chamber before? (laughs) I don't know, man. (laughs) Like, it's not a freezer. It looks like a freezer, but it's just a room with giant fans and a chair in the middle. And a secret door for a gargoyle to come out of. That's all that's in there, yeah. It looks know. like it looks like a torture chamber or an interrogation room. So, <laughs> like, it doesn't matter if you know that a gargoyle comes out and shows you your greatest fear. Like, it looks shady as fuck. It does. I don't know, man. I can't answer that. I'm not Nani. <laughs> she, if only. She's just oblivious. She likes her job. I don't know. So Nani asks Vink what the hell is going on, and Reed's backing her up saying, you better start talking, pal. And Vink tells him, you intrigue me, lad, you're not like the others. I believe it's time to share the secret of my soup. 
Perhaps it'll help to explain what you've just witnessed. And Vink walks away and the kids follow. But if this whole situation happened, don't you think you'd just call the police or something? Yeah. Like, hey, my boss is terrorizing my fucking coworkers. Yeah, my boss is potentially torturing people back here. And this soup is highway robbery, am I right? Yeah. A hundred dollars? Come on. So these kids just watched Vink terrorize this poor teenage girl. And then they just kind of like follow him and listen to him. As he starts cutting some bread, he's saying... During his travels, he once happened upon a tribe of savage warriors who never raised a sword in anger, for they had a weapon far more powerful. A statue, a talisman enchanted with an incredible power. And he walks away, and we see this giant boar's head. It's, it's crazy. I took a picture of it. I'll probably post it on Instagram. Anyway, Vink continues saying, This magic statue actually had the power to feed on fear. And Reed asks, What? And Vink's like, Oh, yes. <laughs> Say, What? <laughs> that's a frank staple he says it could reach into your mind and actually create your deepest fear it was only an illusion but the more you believed in it the more real it would become so nani asks what this has to do with the soup and vink puts in some spices and stuff into the boiling soup and then tells him that the talisman has not only summoned fear from its enemies it drew it out for them like a precious elixir the tribe would drink the fear of its enemies and gain their strength and he dribbles in some of that liquid into the soup he twirls around and he says a single drop is enough to make the pulse quicken and the blood flow when you taste my soup you're tasting fear and that's a taste you'll not soon forget and nani looks at him and he says that's why everyone quits you've been scaring them to get the ingredient and reed's like wait a minute you don't believe all this shit do you and vink walks closer to him saying you're quite the tough one aren't you and Reed Stoneface tells Vink he doesn't scare him. And Vink's like, well, let's see about that, shall we? So this is another example of an Are You Afraid of the Dark? Somebody being like, you're a chicken. And then the other person's like, no, I'm not. I'll show you. But why? Why do this? Because you got to show them. You don't have to, though. Reed could just be like, okay, I'm calling the cops. <laughs> you know? But then like, who would show them? Somebody needs to be showed. No. Yes. You have to show. Have to happen. No, I agree with you, actually. Calling the police should have been the first thing they like did the first and step. the last thing they did. Nani should be over there on the phone now as Reed's distracting this old, crusty man. Yes. Jersey should be banging on pots and pans, distracting him like a cat, jingling keys. <laughs> it's fine. Whatever. Vink walks over to the freezer door. The kids follow, and Nani tells him that they, they just get out of there. And Vink's like, what's the problem, lad? And he puts the vial in the extraction chamber, and he's saying, no longer feeling brave. And Nani's like, come on. But Reed says, no, someone's got to stand up to this guy. Yeah, the police. Exactly. Well, Vink opens up the freezer, and Reed walks in. And then Vink shuts it from behind him, and Nani and Vink observe, because this is going to be interesting. Inside the freezer, the gargoyle shows up, and it tells Reed that it knows what he's scared of, and Reed smiles, saying, Sorry, Vink, you're not going to get me that easily. And Vink, from the people, laughs, and he says, That's what I'm counting on. The stronger the subject, the more powerful the elixir. So we look at Vink, and he's like, What have we got here? What lies deep inside? I'm seeing a scared little boy, an orphan. And Reed's like, I'm not buying this. And Vink says, Oh, raised by his uncle, he was a cruel man. And then we look at Reed, and he's kind of getting scared a little bit. And Vink says that the uncle treated him very harshly. What happened to him, lad? 
Ah, yes, you remember now, don't you? And Reed looks shaken. The camera pans over to the other side of the freezer, and then there's a casket there by the gargoyle. Vink tells him to go have a look inside the casket, so Reed walks over to it, and slowly, Nani's yelling at Vink to let him out. Vink stares, saying, I know you can't resist. Reed walks over, he opens up the casket, and inside is a man laying in it. His eyes are closed, and we look at Reed, and then we look at the gargoyle, then at the man in the casket, and the guy's eyes shoot open. We cut to Reed, who flinches, he looks scared as hell, and then the man in the casket reaches up and grabs Reed's neck as Reed starts screaming, and Nani screams for Reed. She opens up the freezer door, and Vink yells over not to do that, and we watch this gargoyle fly out of the freezer. And a really shitty animation. It is the worst. <laughs> it does not look good at all. No, it is one of the worst effects we've seen in the show. Ugh. I'm sure we'll post it on Instagram because it was not. It was not yeah. good. It's bad. It's bad. And there's been some pretty good effects lately. Yeah. <laughs> Vink, Nani, and Reed run outside the door, and Vink's like, "Oh shit, you unleashed it." And Nani's like, "What?" what? Vink tells her that the gargoyle grew stronger with each feeding, and now it's out. So Vink starts putting on his coat, and he's saying that he managed to contain it, but now that it's out, it can feed at will. So Nani asks if it can terrorize anybody at once now, and Vink's like, yup, I gotta put a stop to it. So Reed asks him how. He's still shaken up about that whole thing, and Vink says he doesn't know, but he prays it isn't too late. He runs down the hallway and out the door. Nani asks Reed what to do. But he's like, I don't know. We gotta call someone or warn him. A crash of thunder happens, and Nani's like, what was that? What's going on? And then she gets interrupted by a door slamming. Some more lightning flashes, and then she tells Reed that she thinks that the gargoyle's back. Reed's like, well, maybe it never left. And then they run to that door that closed. It opens up, and then there's a giant gargoyle on the other side, which also doesn't look that great. Yeah. <laughs> it's also shit. So the kids run away from it, Nani tells Reed that it wants to feed on them, and Reed says, We can't let it. Clear your mind. Don't think about what scares you. Which would honestly be pretty hard to do. If somebody tells me not to think about something, I'm going to think about it. Yeah, that's brain 101. Yeah. So the kids are into the other room now, and there's a window above them. It shatters from the thunderclap, and then through the window slithers a snake. The kids see it, and it, I don't know, it's, it sisses into their face. Are you scared of snakes? Um, no. If you were scared of snakes, would you be scared of, like, pythons and boa constrictors? I think the only snake that I would be scared of, besides, of course, poisoned ones, would be, like, an anaconda, I think. I I get why people always go to pythons and big snakes like that, because they're big, so they look scarier. The same way that, in movies, it's always tarantulas that are, like, the giant spider, Mm -hmm. but... I don't know. I, I've never been scared of snakes as like a phobia, but poisonous snakes, like, yeah, I'm going to stay away from them. Yep. I feel the same way. Honestly, it seems like the bigger the snakes like these ones are, the more fun it would be to like hold them and, you know, interact with them. Yeah. Like they can still fuck you up. They'll try to choke you or whatever, but you know, they're not that scary. No, I agree with you. So the kids see that the, the snake is you know, checking them out or whatever, and they scream in its face and they run away, and then they run into the kitchen, and Nani complains that it, the gargoyle's getting stronger when the door behind them blasts open with this fog, and it blows the, in the kids' face. Nani gets blown into the freezer, which slams shut, and she screams, 
Reed falls to the mm-hmm. floor. He gets up. Nani he calls screams. for Nani and tries to open up the freezer door. This At this point, Nani's basically just a screaming meanie. <laughs> yes. For the rest of the episode, just replace all of your notes with Nani screams. Did you notice, though, that when we check out Nani in the freezer that we get the same sound effect from Sorcerer's Apprentice when Dean looked into the eyes of the Viper staff? Of course I didn't. Okay. Well, it's there. Trust me. Reed asks if Nani's okay, and she's on the ground, and she's like, no, I'm not. She's got blasted into the freezer. (laughs) And from outside the door, Reed tells her that she's fine, just don't think about what scares her. And then, of course, she starts to freak out, and she's like, I gotta get out of this room. And Reed tells her that she's fine, but she's like, no, you don't understand. I don't like closed spaces. So it's the room that scares her. Which, you know what? Maybe that's why she never went in there and checked things out. Not buying it. (laughs) Well, the room starts to close in on her. The walls are moving in. It's basically like the trash compactor from Star Wars Episode Four. Reed tries to tell her to fight it, that it's not real. She needs to face her fears. But then he stops and he runs away talking about facing his fears. And in another room... He looks over and he sees that casket again, but this time it's standing straight up. So Reed walks over to it and it opens up revealing his dead uncle who walks out like a zombie. Yep, there you go. Finally got some zombies. Yeah. I mean, it's imaginary, but... He's imaginary. He is not makeup up to look like a zombie. He's just a dude. It's zombie with like five asterisks. Yes. Well, he's an, he's an illusion. So Zombie Uncle, he reaches out for Reed, slowly walking towards him. Reed backs up against the wall, telling him, Not real! You're a nightmare! I don't believe in you! And we look over at Nani, who's about to get squished by some walls. She's screaming for help. And then we zip back to Reed, who yells at Zombie Uncle, saying, You're not going to haunt me anymore. And he gets up, and he leaps at the zombie, which disappears. And Reed celebrates with himself for a moment and then runs over to the freezer to save Nani. In the freezer, Nani's on the floor and she asks what happened. Reed tells her that it's all over, that he faced his fears and he broke the spell. Then he says he doesn't think that Vink will be making any more of his dangerous soup. Why does him facing his fear stop her predicament? Dude, I don't know. It reminded me of um, the Tale of the Dark Dragon for a sec there, though. She's still scared of... Walls closing in on her. Yeah. She didn't face that fear. She was screaming. Not even a little bit. I don't know, man. (laughs) The kids laugh, but then the door to the freezer closes, and Vink is now on the other side. He's looking in at people, and he says, That's where you're wrong, my friend. It still knows what scares you. And the kids look over, and the door opens up, revealing the gargoyle again. And we get a close-up of Vink's face, and he says that he plans on being in business for a long time long time and he laughs a whole bunch and then we cut back to the midnight society and frank tells us that that's the end of the episode what is dr vink's role in scaring these people because at first i think the gargoyle is in control of all of it and he just got this gargoyle that scares people and makes juice but with reed he's like probing his mind and conjuring these things from his past yeah so what exactly is the relationship here between gargoyle and vink i'm not really sure and i thought it was really weird because he is okay with using this thing that he got from some ancient warrior tribe or whatever like he took that from them 
mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he has it in his freezer and he uses it for his own benefit. But then when it gets out, he's like, oh, fuck, it's going to terrorize the world. I have to stop it. You know, I have to be a hero. But then he just goes back to being like, yeah, I'm going to use it for my own personal gain again. Like, I don't understand either. I don't know what he has to do with it. If he's the one that gets the fear out of them and then the gargoyle makes the illusion or what. I don't know. He's got some sort of psychic connection with it. Who knows? Yeah, I'm not really sure. It didn't really make sense to me, but I don't really care. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I want to talk a little bit about Reed, too. Because I told you that I really liked his character development. And I -hmm. liked that he was so stone-faced. And then, you know, he got to face his fear and he gave emotion at that point but his fear is very it's very real you know yeah it could have been just you know something silly like he's scared of buckets or or down power lines or clowns down power line but no it's an abusive uncle yeah that's crazy when i was a kid i mean i remember seeing the episode i remember um the uncle reaching out from the casket or whatever and i just thought he was scared of like somebody dying you know like i didn't really get that the uncle was abusive because i didn't have any abuse when i was a kid so i don't know anything about that but like being an adult and looking at it now it's like damn no wonder that kid is so unwilling to have anybody help him like he doesn't want to deal with anybody because he had Somebody that was supposed to take care of him abused him. Yeah. And then he died. Then he was I a zombie. Was cool. I, li- I, I liked it. I like Reed and I like Nani. Even if Nani just screams a bunch. So back at the Midnight Society, we cut to Sam, who says, that was great. And Betty Ann declares it to be a good story. And then the camera zips over to Tucker, who says, that's weak. What if there's nothing you're afraid of? The room wouldn't work. And Frank's like, oh yeah, that's right. Nothing scares you, does it? Maybe you should be the first to uh, reach into the unknown. And Tucker stands up and asks what's in Frank's box. Because he's talking about his box now. And Frank tells him, what's the difference? You're not afraid of anything anyway. So Sam smiles and Tucker's like, yeah, that's, that's right. And he walks up and he starts to put his hand in this box. But then he's like, forget it. And the gang smiles. Tucker runs away and Gary asks what's in the box. And Frank says it's exactly what Tucker's afraid of. And he opens it up, and there's nothing in there. And Sam smiles. The kids get up. <laughs> Gary dumps the water on the fire. And that's the end of season three. So Frank brought an empty box to the campfire. What if Tucker was yeah. just like, I'm scared of bees. This whole plan would be ruined. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know, man. <laughs> They just somehow know Tucker so well that they can just craft these elaborate Pretty pranks. much every episode is just like Tucker being a little shit and them all fucking with him and being annoyed by him. Pretty much, yeah. Which, you know, it's cool to mess with him because he sucks, but also he sucks, so I don't like him being there. But we'll talk about that next episode. Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk all about it. So, what do you think the moral of this story is? I think that it's, if you're getting harassed by your boss, you need to call somebody out on it. Or just quit. It's not worth it. Go get a new job. Yeah. Especially if you're making a minimum wage at a fucking restaurant called the Wild Boar, where they charge $100 for a bowl of soup. Don't buy soup. That's the moral. (laughs) 
It's just flavored water. Right. <laughs> Whatever. I like soup. <laughs> Nobody's going to serve me Kool-Aid for dinner. Shit. Because <laughs> you throw peas in Kool-Aid doesn't make it delicious. Hey, what if that is delicious? You ever tried it? No, I admit it. <laughs> oh, man. What an episode. The Tale of the Dangerous Soup. What a shitty name. I think we can come up with something. It's the worst name. Frank didn't tell a a story for like three months. He just sat by and listened to other people's (laughs) stories for an entire season. He just sat there and listened to everybody else's stories for months. And he finally is like, all right, guys, I got one. And they're like, all right, Frank's got a story. Come on, guys. He's like, this one's about some crazy soup. Like, get the fuck out of here, Frank. You're fired. <laughs> Tucker, do you have any friends? Shit. Like, Tucker, can you tell the 13th story this season, please? Yeah, guys. I got one. I'm scared of shoes. <laughs> if you think about it, eating soup is the scariest thing in the whole world. Ugh. But yeah, it's a bad name. It is. Let's think of something better. Like, I don't know, the tale of the gargoyle. The tale of the doctor chef. (laughs) You know, I don't remember what uh, Nev Campbell said when she said the dangerous soup in French, but you could name it that. Like, it was like a liquid dangeray or something. It wouldn't, like, be very descriptive for non-French speakers, but it would be cool. Yeah, it's better than the tale of the dangerous soup. Anything is. Liquid dangere, which sounds like a perfume or something, liquefied something. Uh, Tale of the Fear Chamber. Oh, that's a good one. It's kind of boring, though, Brandon. You can do better it's, than that. It's better than Dangerous Soup. That's all I'm going to say. I would say, like, the Tale of the Wild Boar, but that is very undescriptive. Yeah. The Tale of Party of Five, order up! <laughs> Yeah, that's just a prophecy of what's to come. <laughs> the tale of the empty box. Yeah, the tale of white rich folk eating some soup. That's all that this place had, too. It was just rich... Hey, they had specials. Meat. Tale of the specials. <laughs> I like that one. Man, Brandon. Next week we talk about all of season three as a collective. Yeah, can't believe it's over already. I said this before, but I feel like season three went by the fastest of the three so far, even though we took that two-week break. So it's been the yeah. longest. <laughs> yeah, objectively. We've had our hands dipped in season three for the longest time so far, but it doesn't feel like that. No. We've had some good times, and we've had some phone police times, and we'll talk <laughs> about that all next week. Phone police? It's me. It's Billy Baxter. <laughs> What are you yams talking about? (laughs) I love that. (sighs) That's what my wife says every time we're doing the podcast. She walks into the room and she's like, what are you two yams talking about? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, honey, I love you. (laughs) Oh, you turd face. (laughs) Uh, Okay, we're getting into spoiler territory. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) I'm... I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed, Brandon, before we talk all about season three again. Yeah. (laughs) I have been up all night. I've been up all night, too. 
going to go back to sleep. I'll talk to you in a week, Brandon, when we cover all of Season 3 again. Yes. I'll see you then. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.